0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. As we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 4, the subject has been unity. And Paul says in verse number 17... Therefore, he says, because of what I've already said, because of what has already been given. In the first uh, part of Ephesians, he gives what we should believe. He gives the doctrine. He gives why we should believe it. He gives the argument for the doctrine. And then he makes the application uh, in the uh, end of these chapters, uh, chapters 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. He gives us how to apply what he's already given us, uh, the commands he's already given us. Because unless we apply it, unless we be doers of the word, it has no effect in our lives. It has no effect in this world. And uh, as we need unity, uh, God has given us unity. We're one with God and the Father because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. The Trinity has unity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are one. And then God has made us one with Him. We became heirs and joined heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has made us one with Himself. And then as we looked at last week, He called us to unity in the body of Christ. He said that we're to have unity within ourselves, within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us gifts uh, to help us to accomplish that. He told us that he gave us pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The Bible says, till we all come into the unity of the faith. And so he gives us this instruction because God wants the church to be unified. God wants you to be one with Him and He's done that through Christ. He wants us to understand that we're one with each other and every one members one of another. The Bible says we have different gifts, Romans 12, that differ according to the grace that's been given to us and we have a unique gifting by the Holy Spirit but with our unique gifts, those gifts are used to bring unity to the church. They're not brought into our lives to bring attention to ourselves, but rather to bring unity to the church. And then he he warns us in this passage. He warns us, he says, if we are not careful, we will become, if if we live for ourselves, if we don't put off the old man, if we don't put on the new things, we will become of no effect. We will become a problem to the church we'll become a problem to Christ in a sense of that we're not being salt and light, we're not being a testimony, we're not bringing glory to the name of Christ and pleasure to Him, we're not being the testimony, a witness that we should be to the lost. The Bible says that our life is made of no effect when we live that way. And so He tells us that because we've been given this unity in Christ, we need to walk in that unity. There needs to be unity in ourselves. I know that a house divided against itself cannot stand The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The agreement that we have is an agreement that Christ has given us together. The Bible says, if we walk in the light, Christian, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all our sin. And so we are able to walk in fellowship and we're able to walk in unity. But there's something in us that will tend towards disunity. There's something in us that will tend towards breaking unity. Uh, that will tend towards causing a problem, uh, not only within ourselves, but also within the body of Christ. And so he warns us about this, and he tells us here in the first uh, three verses, verses 17, 18, and 19, he says here that we need to be different. Be different. Uh, We who have been saved are no longer like we were. We're called to be new creatures in Christ. uh, In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, as a result of the new birth, we're not what we used to be. And notice in verse number 17, he calls attention to what we were before we were in Christ. And he says, hey, listen, if you don't put off these things, you can become this again. Paul said this, he says, I die daily. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that's, that I now live, notice he says this, in the flesh. Is the flesh still present within us? It is. We're believers One day this corruptible flesh is going to put on incorruption. One day this mortal flesh is going to put on immortality. And so the corruption of the old man is still present. What is different now that we're believers is that power of sin has no dominion over us, the Bible says. Uh, There's no, no power of sin in the Christian life. In other words, as a Christian, although you may have sin present in your life, you've been given power over it. You can put down the old man. You can put down the old flesh. You can yield yourself as instruments of righteousness instead of being used for unrighteousness, instead of being used for wickedness, now you can be used for God. Now you're an instrument that's meant to be used for God. It's what the word sanctification means. It means set apart for God's purpose. You understand this, that when God saved each of us, if you're a believer this morning, God didn't save you to live your life for yourself. He saved you to live your life for Him. He says we're crucified with Christ, but He says you're not your own, you're bought with a price. He says therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit because they're His. Is your, does your body belong to the Lord or does it belong to you? It belongs to the Lord. The Bible says He purchased it with His own blood. And so your body belongs to the Lord, your spirit belongs the The whole man God saves. He doesn't save a part of us, He saves all of us. Uh, one day when Jesus Christ returns, are not the dead in Christ going to rise first? But those that are dead in Christ right now aren't to be absent from the body. It's to be present with the Lord. So what's rising from the grave? Well, that old dead flesh that God's going to make new. Glorification is going to happen. That old dead body, corrupt body is going to put on a new body, a new flesh. Glorification is going to take place. It's the good that God is working together for, according to Romans 8, and 29. He's going to glorify us one day. As we have been dead with Christ, we will... Resurrect with Christ. How many are thankful for that truth this morning? We see somebody baptized at the end of the service. And you know that's a picture of death, burial, resurrection. Baptism doesn't save anybody. It identifies us with Christ's burial, his death, and then the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. Didn't he say that we should walk in newness of life? He said walk in this new life. In other words, don't go back to that old life. Don't go back to those old habits. Don't go back to that old living. Let me ask you a question. I asked this in our Sunday school class. What are you supposed to do with garbage? Throw it away. Anybody have a problem with throwing things away? Even if they're trash. Even if they're no good. Uh, You ever see that show, Hoarders? (gasps) Anybody have anybody in their family needs to go on that show? No, I'm just kidding, all right? Uh, Maybe you need to go on that show. Why do people keep garbage? Why do they hold on to it? Well, one, it makes them comfortable. They find security in the things that they have. They don't want to get rid of them. It's uncomfortable with these things. You ever see that guy that has that chair, and the dog doesn't go near it. It smells, it stinks, but it's just a comfortable chair, and he doesn't want to get rid of it. It's terrible, isn't it? Some of you have dads that have that chair, all right? And that needs. you say, let me get you a new one. I don't want a new one. I like the old one. I like it how it is, all right? And it's garbage, but garbage needs to be thrown away, doesn't it? That's what he's saying. This whole life is trash. It's, a, it, it's, it's good for the trash heap. It needs to be put off. It needs to be cast off. It needs to be thrown away. He says cast off the works of darkness. Put on uh, this new life that I've given you. And you know why, other, why times, sometimes we don't throw away things? We don't throw away them because they make us comfortable. We don't throw them away sometimes because we like, it. We like them. Uh, what kind of value is sentimental value? It's value to you but not value to me. It's value to you, but value to someone else. What you are sentimentally valuing about the old life, you know, some people reminisce and they romance the old life. They go back and say, all the good old days, all the good times that I had. Let me tell you, if it was a sinful life, it shouldn't be romanced about. It shouldn't be put in a good light. In other words, if we had a sinful life before, that's not something that we want to give glory to. That's not something that we want to brag about. That's not something we want to romance in our mind about. It's not something we're to go back and justify. How many are thankful that you were saved from that old dead life? That you were saved from those old sins? How many don't, if you're a parent, don't want those old sins to be repeated in the lives of your children? Well, let me help you. Don't romance it. Don't, don't keep it in your own life. Don't justify it. Say, hey, that was bad. That was wrong that mom and dad lived that way, that we did that, that we did those things. Hey, we've been saved from that. We don't want you to go back to that kind of living in your life. And It's sad sometimes we romance and we keep those things. We, we ha- it has sentimental value to us. That it's just garbage needs to be cast off and put away out of our lives. And he says, hey, this, be different. Look at the lost. Verse number 17, there's a problem with their heads. He says they walk in the vanity of their minds. Notice there's a problem with their hearts. Their understanding is darkened. Verse number 18. There's a problem with their hands. Verse number 19. Because they're dead, they've lost their sense of pain. They're beyond past feeling. They have a problem. The whole man has a problem. Head, heart, and hands. Here's the great thing about Jesus. He says this to you, believer, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me, that's a head decision. I will make you, that's a heart transformation. Fishers of men, that's the difference of what we do with our hands. We used to fish for fish, now we fish for men. You don't understand that God calls us to a, a new creation, a new vocation, a new walk. That's what he said to those disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. i gonna make you new from how you think, to who you are, to what you do. That's what I'm going to do with you. By the way, it's the same calling he calls every disciple to. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I want to change your thinking. I want to change, transform you by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, he tells us. But what do we have to do? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You can't hold on to your life and say, it's my life, I can live how I want to live. You know, a Christian that does that, that's no different from the world, they, what the Bible says is they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. They say, because of God's grace, I can live how I want. That's not what God's grace does. God's grace doesn't give us a license to sin. It gives us a love for the Savior. It gives us a love to live for God. And uh, he says, hey, listen, be different. Not only does he tell us to be different, but he says in verses 20 and 21, be discerning, be discerning. You know, while we're to avoid being like the lost, we're to strive to be like the Lord, aren't we? He says, don't be like the lost, be like the Lord. Be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Having told us what we should not be, Paul tells us what we should be. How do I know that it's good for you to tell your children not to do some things, but it's better for you to emulate what they should do? In other words, don't just say no, don't do something, show them the way to live. Show them the example to live. I to that guy that uh, has got the cigarette hanging out of his mouth and says to his kids, don't ever smoke. You know what that's saying? Actions speak louder than words. Hey, if you want to teach them not to, not to smoke, then quit. Show them not to do it. Because people do what you show them. What did Jesus do? He didn't just speak words, he showed them how to live, didn't he? They watch Jesus. They walk with Jesus. Hey, those disciples on the road to Emmaus, they said, did did our hearts not burn within us? When he talked to us, by the way, hey, when they were with Jesus, it made a difference in their hearts, not just in their behavior. It wasn't just behavioral modification. It wasn't just because Jesus was around, they did what was right. When Jesus was gone, when He left, when He ascended and He sent His Spirit to them, He gave them power to overcome. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. He gave them power to be who He made them to be. He said this, if you believe, if you believe, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. If you believe and receive Christ, He'll give you the power to become what He wants you to be. He that hath begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Notice He says, be discerning. Notice the example that He gives. Christ is our example. Look at verse number 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. You have not so learned Christ. I like that it doesn't say you have not so learned about Christ. You know, you can learn about somebody, but to learn someone is to know someone. The Bible's not speaking of learning about Christ. The Bible is speaking of knowing Christ. How do you know that? Well, look what it says. If so be, verse 21, that ye have what? Look at verse 21, church. Don't just take my word for it. Look at it. If so be that have what, church? Heard him and have been taught by him. What is he saying? You knew him. You know him. You've heard him. You've been taught by him. You say, well, we didn't see the risen Savior. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Where have we seen him? We've seen him at the cross. We've seen him at his word. We see him in the lives of other believers, don't we? Have you seen the Lord? Oh, we've seen the Lord. We see the Lord as as he says, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Why did the Father send the Son? To make Himself known. Why did the, why did the Son send the church? To make others known. Make Himself known to others. Hey, we, we see God. What does he call the church? The body of Christ? Have you interacted with the body of Christ? This is the body. We are the body. We are uh, Christ here on the earth that he's given, uh, given uh, the earth. He's given uh, the world himself through the church now. How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach except they be sent? The setting power of the church to send uh, preachers and missionaries into the world to preach the gospel. Christ is our example. The lost are motivated by their lusts, but the Christians are motivated by their Lord. Did you get that? The lost are motivated by their lusts, but Christians, believers are motivated by their Lord. Who's your Lord? Are you your Lord? Who's in control? Is He your Lord? Have you submitted yourself to Him? Have you surrendered yourself to Him? If He's Lord of your life, then He's controller of your life. If He's Lord of your life, He's calling the shots. Can I help you with something this morning Is better off in all of our lives that God is calling the shots? We do a poor job. We messed up our lives once. We don't need to do it again. You know, the Lord gave us His Spirit so He could call the shots. A lot of times we look at the Holy Spirit as some kind of battery in the car, or some kind of gas in the gas tank. The Holy Spirit is not so much gas in the gas tank as He is the driver in the seat of your life. The Holy Spirit is the controller. He's that which we yield to. The Bible says yield to the Holy Spirit of God. Give in. Submit yourself. Put down your will. Surrender yourself to His will. That's what Jesus did. Nevertheless not my will but thine be done. He did that an example to us. He was always about the Father's business. Be discerning. Christ is our example. Christ is our educator. He's the one that teaches us. Notice verse number 22. Or verse number 21. He says and have been taught by Him and the truth is in Jesus Christ is our example Christ is our educator number 1 be different number 2 be discerning number 3 be dis- be decisive look at verses 22 through 24 that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt it's trash it's garbage it's to be discarded it's to be peeled away from your life according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's, it goes back to that Romans chapter 12, presenting of your bodies as a living sacrifice. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many know that the battle of action begins in the mind? Before I do, I think. Well, hopefully. <laughs> Before I speak, I think. You ever say this, I didn't think before I spoke. You did, you just didn't think long enough. I didn't didn't think before I acted. You did, you just didn't think long enough. Or how about this, you didn't think on the right things. You didn't think the way God says to think. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Why do we have to let that mind be in us? Because there's a mind that wars against us. The battle's within, isn't it? If I can win the battle up here, I can win the battle out here. Who gave me the ability to win the battle up here? The Holy Spirit of God. What does the Word of God do for me? Well, the same thing soap did for you in the shower this morning. How many know that if I don't apply, it doesn't clean? Make sense? I can turn the water on, but if I never step in underneath it, I never take the soap and apply it. We have all these applicators, don't we? We got loofahs and all those things with the wands and all the. Why, why do we do it? It's to help application in those hard to reach areas. Let me tell you the Word of God is able to reach the hard to reach areas for it's quick and powerful and sharper than a two edged sword. It pierces and divides the soul and the spirit and the joint and the marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's an applicator that's meant to be applied, it is also the cleansing agent. He's saying, hey, listen, I, I need you to apply what you heard, what you've learned. How I many know education had, but not education applied makes no difference in a life. I need to act on what I know. I need to act on what I've been given. Presumptuous sins is ignoring that which is posted. Posted. What's it, what does the Bible say? Hey, listen, I've posted my truth for you. It's your responsibility to know it. How many know that the excuse that we could give as we drive down the road and get pulled over by the police officer is I didn't know the speed limit and what would the officer say to you? It's posted. It's your job to know it. You can't get away with that excuse. This is see what God says? It is written. What does he say? It's your job to know it. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Hey, fools despise wisdom instruction. But a believer is supposed to embrace them. A believer is supposed to act on them. A believer is supposed to be a doer of God's word. I take God's word and I apply it. I act on it. I'm decisive. As a Christian, he calls us to be decisive. There's something in verse 22 to renounce, to put off, to strip away. But there's something also to renew. There's something to renounce and there's something to renew. We to put off to strip away the old and we're to put on the new. I gave this illustration in Sunday school, but how many have ever been in a house and pulled back that carpet and said, they covered these hardwood floors? Why did they cover something so beautiful with something so ugly? For some reason in the 70s, there was a thing about doing that. Anybody ever see wood paneling? Whose idea was that? At some point that was in. At some point that was awesome. But now it ain't. It's no good now. You look at it and go, what in the world is that? They got fake wood walls. And they're covering real wood walls. Covering the real with fake. Covering the authentic with the fraud. Covering the clean with the dirty. Let me ask you a question as a believer. Did he make you clean? He did. Why are you covering clean with dirty? Why are you clever and new with old? He's saying this. Why are you putting on old, old garments when I gave you a new garment? You ever give your kids something at Christmas? And they go, you give them a new wardrobe and they go put on something old? Some of you got them old slippers you need to throw away. You got those old PJs with holes in them that you need to toss. Oh, just so comfortable. I just love them. I just, I just, hey listen, if it's trash, throw it out. Don't. Don't cover the new with old. Don't cover the clean with dirty. That's what he's saying. Put off and be renewed. He's saying there's something to renounce and there's something to renew. Be decisive. But there's also, verse 24, something to reveal. There's something to be shown. What does God want to show in our lives? Verse 24, just as we're to strip off the old sin, we're to put on the new man. Notice he's created in righteousness and true holiness. This is a new holy man that was born in us when we were saved. Hey, I was born again. How about you? I didn't turn over a new leaf. I didn't start doing good stuff. I didn't, start join, I didn't join a church and become religious. I didn't try real hard. I didn't go through a 12-step program. Hey, He saved me. I'm born again. I'm born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't reform the flesh. You've got you to die to it. You've got to release it. You've got to renounce it. What does Jesus say about your life? If you lose your life, you'll find it. But if you keep your life, you'll lose it. In order to come to Christ, you've got to give up the old. You've got to renounce it. What does he say? Confess it. Confess it. Call it what it is. How many know that the key to breaking the chain in your life is calling it what it is? Don't call it a mistake. Don't call it a boo-boo. Don't call it, I, I was got misdirected. I, I, I got. Call it what it is. It's sin. It separates us from the Lord before Christ It separates us in fellowship from Christ and His church afterwards. Sin always breaks apart. You know what brings disunity to the church? Sin in our lives. Sin in our homes. Sin in our marriages. Sin in our families. What does he say? You're members one of another. Just because you're living in your house, just because you have your own family, just because you have your own marriage and your own kids doesn't mean you can act like you're an island to yourself. When you come into the church, when you're part of the church, when you're in fellowship with the church, the sins you commit in your house affect the church. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. We can't live unto ourselves. We can't act like, oh, we're on our own. What I do is none of your business. As a matter of fact, someone that says that to the pastor, someone that says that to the church, doesn't know God's word. Because when we do wrong and we sin, we need to receive correction and instruction. We need to be willing to be, the Bible says, entreated. Willing to be instructed. Hey, willing to be confronted. You know the people that love you, the people that confront you when you're wrong. People say, hey, this is not right. This is something we need to get right. And what's the attitude of confrontation? Not to be prideful and throw it in your face and say, I told you so. The attitude of the confrontation is, I want to win my brother. I want to I have fellowship. It's the same attitude Christ has when he confronts us in the Spirit, isn't it? The Holy Spirit, if he's confronted you this morning with a sin, you know what he's saying? Get rid of this, confess it, and forsake it so we can have unity again. Because we're not in agreement right now. You're not doing what my word says. And unless we're in agreement, we can't walk together. We're not in fellowship together as we should. How many glad that He loves me unconditionally and you unconditionally? Does He ever separate us from His love? No, but we get separated in fellowship, don't we? We still remain His sons and daughters. But as the text tells us, we grieve the Holy Spirit that seals us. Think about this. Does anybody want to compromise your financial security this morning? Why would we want to compromise our spiritual security? Let me ask you a question. Who gives you spiritual security? Who's the one that says you're a Christian this morning? Not me. Not you. It's not by the will of the flesh nor the will of man, but of God. Who's the one that confirms? The Spirit of God within confesses and confirms that you're a child of God. Why would you want to compromise that security and grieve not the holy spirit of, grieve not the holy spirit of god whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption what's he saying the holy spirit is your security why are you grieving your own security You know what, Christians that don't do this, they don't put off the old man, they continue to live in a sinful life, in a a perverse life, in in a worldly life, they get to the point where they're not sure they're even saved. You know why? Because they compromise their own security. They grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And even though the Holy Spirit is there, they're not hearing Him because their conscience is seared, because they grieve the Spirit because as the Bible says in the beginning of the passage in verse number 17 and 18, their past feeling, they get numb in their feelings and they don't hear the voice of God. They'll say, I haven't heard from God in a long time. You can hear from God today if you'll confess and forsake. If you'll say to God, I'm wrong, you're right. God, I'll give up these things. God, forgive me for going back to that old life. Notice there's something to reveal. We're not, We're to strip off that old man. That new creature is to be revealed. We're made in the likeness of God. We're not yet perfect, but we've been changed, haven't we? One day, we're going to be changed from glory to glory in an image, in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see Him and know Him. We're going to be like Him. We're going to see Him as He is, the Bible says. That change is taking place in our lives right now. Listen, as you grow in your grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what? this world becomes less and less appealing. You know what becomes more appealing? Heaven. Jesus. You know, in your youth, you might have found the world a little bit more appealing. Isn't it, when we're young, that lust? Boy, within us, we just don't have that control or we haven't learned to give that control to the Spirit. The Bible talks about in youth, burning in lust. Sometimes that lust gets the best of us, doesn't it? Sometimes we give into it. By the way, we're never beyond that. Within all of us is the ability to sin. Paul said, he said, in me that is in my flesh dwelt no good thing. Hey, there's still that ability to sin. There's still that old struggle. How to be like, Paul, the things that I want to do, sometimes I don't do. The things that I would do, boy, sometimes I don't. Well, we know we're supposed to be in church. We know we're supposed to be faithful, but sometimes we're not. We know we're supposed to read our Bibles, but sometimes we don't. We know we're supposed to pray, but sometimes we don't. We know we're supposed to tell other people about Jesus, but sometimes we don't. But here's the truth this morning. Act on what you know. You want blessing in your life? Act on what you know. Oh, when it comes to your church attendance, how about so much the more as we see the day approaching, not less and less? Let me tell you something. It just starts. It starts. You miss, you miss, you miss, and before long, you wonder if you're going to be there or it's not sure if you're going to be there. One of the greatest things my father did for our families, we never asked, are we going to church? It just was a given. If the church was meeting, if the church was going to the house, we were going to the house. Listen, you'll do your family good being faithful. Faithful is an attribute of God that he produces in us. It's not performance. It's performance to his glory, by the way. Didn't he call us, show your faith by your works? Why? So people can see it and be saved as a result, be a witness, be a testimony of His saving grace. I'm not here to beat you up this morning. How's your prayer life? How's your Bible reading? I dare say most of us who have conflicts in other areas of our lives is because we got away from this, we got away from that. It's hard to argue with God when you're kneeling before Him every day. It's hard to live for yourself when you submit yourself before Him every day. Hey, listen. Moms, dads, lead your family that way. Don't take no for an answer. God called you to lead them. God called you to that position. Walk in the vocation wherewith you are called. And don't give up. Listen, I know that we've all failed. I've failed. You've failed. We've all failed. But what does the Bible call us to? He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. It's hard to break apart a relationship when we're all being obedient to this. Hey, this will do good in your home, as we'll see in chapter five. It'll do good, rather. It'll do good in your marriage first. It'll do good in your life with your children. Hey, he's about to apply these truths to the marriage and to the home. Right now, he's applying them to the church, because these are relationships God's called us to. Let me say this: all relationships are not matters of convenience. They're matters of commitment. You don't engage in a relationship because it's convenient. You don't come to church because it's convenient and you you have nothing else to do. You come to church because you prioritize the time and give it to God. You say no to lesser things. You say no to lesser things. In order for me to be faithful in that area, I've got to say no to things that aren't as important. And I've got to say yes to what God says to me. And you've got to put off to put on. So you know what you need to do? Stop making excuses and just start prioritizing the time again. Get back to it. God's going to help us to do that. Same thing in your prayer life. Same. Hey, in your time, you know what I say to a couple that says, we're we're just not spending time together the way that we used to. You know what I say to them? Prioritize time. You're going to have to give up some things that you gave that to. Couples that don't spend the time together that they should, they gave the time to the lesser things, didn't they? And they've got to take it back. Can I say this? Take your church time back. Take it back. Say, I'm going to give it back to God. I'm going to give it where it belongs. Listen, bring your family to Sunday school. Bring your kids to Sunday. You know why churches are closing the Sunday schools and the evening services? Because people aren't coming to them. That's why. Whose job is that? The church. The church. We don't need to meet less. I, I love when people come. I love how much the church meets. I love that we get to do this. And I love to, hey, listen, if you love it so much, cast your vote every week by being here. Cast your vote by showing up. If you're for that time, if you're for discipling new believers, you're for all that, cast your vote by showing up. And don't show up half heartedly, show up to serve. Show up to give, show up to love, to consider each other, to provoke each other to love and to good works. It's what God has called us to. It's not my word, it's His word. If you have an argument here, you got an argument with not me, you got an argument with this. God calls us to that. You know, there's a lot of places you can go where Christianity is a matter of convenience. But it shouldn't be in His church. There's a lot of places that may not be prioritizing this too. Or other areas of life. Can I tell you the Bible is more than the gospel. You, know, Some people say non-essentials, non-essentials. I tell you this, salvation, I understand there's some things that are not essential to salvation. You don't have to be a good person to be saved. You just have to admit you're a sinner. But can I tell you that what the rest of the Bible talks about is essential to the Christian life. He didn't put it in His word because it was non-essential. He put it in His word because it was essential. It's what's needed. If you read a box, anybody have that cereal box? You read the box, it tells you the ingredients that are there, the vitamins that are present, the essential things that they've put in that. God has put a lot of essential things in this Word for all of us. And by the way, all of it is important and matters. Not just some of it, all of it. Maybe today what you need to do is you need to get back to walking in unity within yourself. You'll never have unity with those without until you have unity first within. If you're in argument with the Holy Spirit you're going to be in argument with other believers. If you're not right with God, you're not going to be right with others. If you don't love God, you won't love others. And he said, if you don't love others, you really don't love God. It's indicative of it, isn't it? It shows. It's revealing. And he tells us, hey, be different. Be different, be discerning, be decisive. But walk in Unity. Be a kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He didn't just tell us what to do. He told us how to do it, and he told us why. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org.